Section six of the Lion's Brood. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Violet Blue of Albertville. Section six. Disobedience. That the chase was doomed to be a vain one seemed apparent. Once mounted and urging on their steeds with the shrill, barbaric cries of the desert, Hannibal's light horsemen were safe from all ordinary pursuit. One after another of the Romans drew up his panting animal, and scarce half of their terme pounded on. Suddenly they saw the flying Numidians throw their horses upon their haunches. A moment of indecision followed, and then, while several darted off obliquely, the remainder, seven or eight in all, swung around and charged straight at the legionnaires. At their head rode a giant black as ebony save where gouts of red had splashed him with the hue of terror. His frizzly hair was caught up high and ornamented with a cluster of ostrich feathers, while with his right hand he drew javelin after javelin from the sheaf he carried in his left, and launched them with unerring aim at his former pursuers. Three had flown on their errands, two had brought down a soldier each, and the third quivered in the throat of Sergius's horse. Then, as the animal reared and went over, carrying his rider with him, the assailant burst through the line, and in a moment had gained the open plain beyond. Once more he was safe but for one short, thick-set rider, Marcus Decius, first decurion of the first Terma, hastening to overtake his troop. Escape from such a pursuer was child's play for the Numidian, but the fury of the fight was on him, and gnashing his white teeth, from which the thick black lips seemed to writhe away, he bent low amid his horse's mane, and, with an inarticulate cry, urged him straight at the veteran. His javelins had all been expended in breaking through the Roman line, and a short, heavy dagger was his only weapon. Nothing daunted, he came on, evaded like a flash, the thrust of Decius's spear, and hurled himself upon him. It was the small buckler of the Roman that saved his life. The dagger passed through the oxide, slightly gashing his arm, and before the barbarian could withdraw it, the impact of the horses in full career had sent both men and animals to the plain in a floundering heap. Again the Numidian was quicker, and gaining his feet, he sprang, weaponless as he was, upon the Decurion still struggling to untangle himself from his fallen horse. The buckler, with the African's knife thrust through it, had rolled away, and the possession of Decius's sword, which hung in its sheath upon his right thigh, became the object of the struggle. Perhaps the strength of the men was not very unequal, but the Roman, hardly free from his mount, was undermost and wounded, so that the result seemed hardly doubtful. The Numidian's charger had risen to his feet and stood, with outstretched neck, whinnying softly as if sharing in the excitement of the contest. Then the trampling of hoofs sounded in the ears of the straining combatants. Decius felt his adversary make a convulsive effort as if to free himself, and then a gush of something warm came into the Roman's face, and his foe sank down upon him limp and helpless. With a last effort of his spent strength, he pushed the twitching body aside and staggered to his feet, saw Sergius standing behind him with a dripping sword in his hand, and the bridle of Titus Acilius's, the flag-bearer's, horse thrown over his arm. Remounting, they rode slowly back to their troop, and then the pause of the strange boldness of the fugitives was disclosed. Advancing across the plain directly in the path of their flight, came four hundred of the allied cavalry, whom the dictator had sent out to reconnaitre, and caught thus between two lines the Numidians had, for the most part, chosen to take their chances against the weaker force. 
not one of the marauders was alive but they had sold their lives dearly for a dozen of the romans were also dead and a score more showed wounds that marked this last spasm of barbarian frenzy while the men talked together sergius sought the prefect of the new detachment a hostilian of the family of mancinus whom he recalled among the young hotheads that formed the party of the master of the horse and declaimed against the policy of fabius as cowardly and base he found him in the best possible humour laughing and making coarse jests amid a circle of decurions and optios as rude a roman as marched with the standards yet able when occasion demanded to play the man of fashion who had spent a year at athens the latter mood fell upon him when he descried sergius he came forward to meet him health to you my lucius he cried surely the gods have held you in especial favour this day i am told you have cut up a few squadrons of this african offal with your timely aid replied sergius bowing i but made the hairs double to your coursing said hostilius carelessly and they tell me you have won both the spolia opima and the civic crown that is a great deal for one day and under a peaceful dictator sergius flushed i shall not claim them he said doubtless decius would have both slain the fellow and saved himself had i not come up no modesty cried hostilius gaily i assure you it is even less greek than roman in these days though now i myself will claim both for you at rome if only to show that i do not grudge you your share of the carrion perhaps such honours will not prejudice you in a certain house on the palatine he added slyly but come you and i shall join our forces and raid together we have sent two hundred to acheron since we left the camp and birds have been singing on our left all the morning where is the dictator now asked sergius in his tent of course replied the other scornfully and no one cares where that may be and you oh he was persuaded at last to risk a scouting party and at the request of the brave minicius he gave the command to me with strict injunctions to use only my eyes well i have used them so sharply that my hands too have been full said hostilius and hostilius laughed there are some five hundred of the cross food that have evaded me thus far we shall catch them now though and together it will be easy for us to prevail sergius was silent to make a dash from the heights in defence of allies dying in his sight was one thing to deliberately join this insubordinate in turning a reconnaissance into a raid was another and much more serious matter the prefect noted his hesitation and a slight frown chased the smile from his lips or perhaps you prefer to obey the old woman's orders he added and keep your couch warm well our men and horses are fed by this time and i am off if you are a roman i greet you to ride with me if you fear robbers or the axe that smote titus manlius why i will bid you farewell and ride alone where do you set your course queried sergius with a vague hope of at least seeming to combine inclination with duty toward the enemy replied the other shortly does not the direction please you and he turned to his horse sergius's brow clouded his blood was hot with the conflict just finished youth courage all combined to turn him from obedience but obedience bade fair to conquer when marcia's laugh rang in his ears and he could hear her gravely complimenting his prudence and discoursing on the rare value of docility in a husband besides what did it all matter had he not said that he sought death and surely the way it came soonest was the best placing his hand upon his horse's withers he vaulted upon its back before the animal had time to kneel and a moment later was beside hostilius by hercules exclaimed the latter i am glad you are here even in these days of strange things i would have found it difficult to imagine that a sergian could be a coward 
"'And now,' cried Sergius, "'you will only have to imagine him a fool. "'So be it, and let the cost of his life pay for his folly.' "'Jupiter, avert the omen!' exclaimed Hostilius, shuddering. "'And then, turning to his trumpeter, he bade him give the signal for the march. "'It was a desolate country, the fair plains of Campania through which they rode. "'Here and there a cluster of blackened ruins, here and there things that were once men.' fruit-trees cut down, vines uprooted, cornfields reaped with the sword, while far away upon the horizon smoky columns curled up to show that the work of devastation still went on. "'May Mavers curse him! Curse him for ever!' cried Hostilius, grinding his teeth in rage at each new manifestation of the enemy's handiwork. "'Could the most disastrous battle be worse than this?' Sergius was silent. In a way his feelings went out to meet those of his companion— but the dictator had trusted him, and he had disobeyed, and for all his disobedience his soldier's instinct told him that the dictator was right. Hostilius eyed him sharply and suspiciously, as if trying to divine his thoughts. "'If you regret,' he began, suddenly a decurion of the allies dashed up beside them. "'Look!' he cried, pointing toward the east. "'There's carrion for the wolves!' Both leaders turned at the words." far out across the plain was what seemed at first sight like a clump of dark foliage save that it moved and changed shape too much numidians exclaimed the decurion following his finger with his speech while the veins in hostilius's forehead began to swell and grow dark the signal he cried let it be given he cried to his officer and turning he dug his knees into his horse's sides and galloped toward the distant quarry a moment later the cavalry wheeled at the trumpet call, and, in some disorder but full of eagerness, began the pursuit of their leader. As for Sergius, he, too, gave order and rein, though more deliberately, and his troop followed the cavalry of the allies in somewhat better array. By his side galloped Decius with an expression hard to analyze upon his weather-beaten face. Sergius glanced at the old soldier from time to time with a look of inquiry and concern. At last he ventured to question his grim mentor is it well or ill marcus i'll for you that command well for me who obey growled the other and sergius flushed and was silent shall we catch them he asked a few moments later for the clump of numidians who had sat motionless upon their horses until the romans covered half the intervening distance had now wheeled for flight if they be too strong for us we shall catch them replied decius it is as they will and now it became apparent that the marauders were far inferior in numbers to the assailants and that they recognized the fact for flight and pursuit began in earnest horses were urged at higher speed at one moment the numidians seemed to be holding their distance at another the romans gained slightly but unmistakably all order of detachments and terme was soon lost romans and allies officers and men were mingled together in a straggled mass with naught but the eagerness of the riders and the speed of their animals to marshal them only decius continued to pound along with his horse's nose at his tribune's elbow the thunder of many hundred hoofs rolled across the plain by hercules we shall do it cried sergius in whom ardour of the chase had put to flight all sentiments of regret or doubt do you not see we are gaining they ride silently yet said decius it is but knee speed with them wait till they cry out to their horses and we shall see suddenly as if to supplement the words a single shrill cry half whistle half scream rose up ahead had they been closer they might have noted the pricking ears of the desert steeds but this much they saw one horse and rider darting out of the press like arrow from bow and scurrying away over the plain as if their former gait had been but a hand gallop 
an instant of misgiving came to some few of the romans who were not blind to everything but the excitement of the moment but they like the rest only plied knee and thong harder and the episode of the single rider was forgotten by all save marcus decius and sergius it is a trap master said the former with an inquiring glance at his leader sergius bowed his head and his face was troubled as he replied i know it my marcus but we cannot turn back now i have accepted the feast therefore i must recline until my host gives the signal to rise i pray you pardon me by a quick movement decius urged his horse astride ahead of the tribunes that he might the better hide his emotion at the same time growling i pardon you and for the chance of a blow at the scum i thank you many times and now from the plain ahead rose a low range of rolling hills over which a light cloud seemed to hover was it the ascent that wearied the horses of the numidians surely the space between pursuers and pursued was lessening rapidly and hostilius leaned forward shaking his spear and calling upon his men for a renewed effort now now he cried see they are spent up with them ere they top the hill but numidians gained the sought-for ridge if only by a few spear-lengths lead and the cloud now close ahead hung so dense that there were those who thought it the smoke of another farm decius's eyes seemed yet in a dazed stare there was too much red in that cloud and yet it was not the red of fire and it was too light and too thin for smoke he knew it he had known it all along but what did it matter the last numidian had disappeared down the opposite slope no surely they had turned again and in a longer line a thicker one and glittering javelins and naked black bodies had become long stout spears and glittering corslets while at their head rode a slender man with forked beard and his black eyes seemed to burn in his head like coals so with one barbaric roar the whole array poured down over the allied cavalry and these were like the dust of the trampled field End of section six recording by Violet Blue of Albertville